0: I'd like to read in the book of the Acts, please, the New Testament, Acts chapter 16. What we've been trying to look at this week is the second great thing about the gospel. Gospel means good news, great news, glad tidings. And the first great thing we learned about it is that it's true. And now the second thing that we've been trying to learn and be impressed with and rejoice at, those of us who are saved, is that the gospel is not just true, but that it transforms lives. And I want you to notice a man here, and we're going to read his story. Again, it's a little bit long, but I want you to just see how his life was transformed. See as as we read, if you can see the different things he went through and how his life was transformed. Acts 16 and verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, this jailer, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. This is the story of what has commonly been known the Philippian jailer. This story is very precious to me. People over the last few years have, have asked me when they find out a little bit of what I do at work and they find out that I work the night shift. And the people I work with and anybody who's ever taken a rotation, whether it's a nursing or a physician who's ever taken a rotation in a psych ward, there are sounds that you don't soon forget and sights that you can't really erase out of your mind. There's something ingrained on you when you work with certain kinds of people. And they've asked for stories, and some people find them very interesting. And really, there's not ever a dull, a dull night. <laughs> something is happening. But this was the most interesting night shift. The most interesting night shift that I've ever found. I love this story because you have a man and he's working night shift. And uh, he gets suicidal. (laughs) But before the whole thing is done, he's saved. And I just want you to notice the story of the Philippian jailer. You know, the... uh, the great thing about the gospel is that it, it really does transform a person's life. It really does completely change a person. I was listening to a, the story of a man, and he was a, a drug addict. Um, not the drug addict many of you might know his story, but a different one. And he had gone through all kinds of things, and he had been in prison many times. And every time he caught out, he decided that he would turn over a new leaf. And it, it worked for a little, bit of a, a little bit of time, and then it, it passed. His mother... She told him on one occasion, you don't need a new leaf. You need a new life. And he had all these ideas of how to turn over a new leaf. Programs that he followed, 12 steps, 10 steps, this book, this group. And it worked for a new leaf, but it never worked for a new life. But you see, what this jailer got in one night was a new life. And what you can receive tonight is a new life, and that's why we're here. I want you to notice this story. He begins imprisoning. He moves to sleeping. Then he's trembling. Then he's rejoicing. All in one night shift. And so let's see how this happened. Imprisoning. There were these two preachers. They may have been better than Johnny and I, possibly. <laughs> and they were preaching the gospel in the city of Philippi. And many people were responding. The whole city was being tossed by these two preachers who were preaching the gospel. You know what happened, though? One of the people who was affected, this lady, she had brought a lot of money to these people. And You know, when, when the citizens of a city start seeing their money affected, Inevitably, in, in history, that starts to affect how they treat the preachers. And they did not like it. And so they wanted Paul and Silas to be imprisoned. And so they beat the preachers. And they, it says they laid many stripes on them. And then they come up to this Philippian jailer, this man who is in charge of the prison there in Philippi. And they tell him, your job is to make sure that these prisoners stay in prison. And we want them in this in the innermost part of the prison, the most secure part, maximum security. And so here's the prison guard, and he's received this charge. And so he, it says here, he threw them in. He thrust them in into the inner part. And it says that when he went to where their feet were, he made the chains really tight. They weren't getting out. And you wonder, did this Philippian jailer, did he know something of the gospel? Did he maybe hear it as, as, as people were coming through of this man, Paul, and Silas, who were preaching the gospel? And here he is on his, in the beginning of his shift, and he's totally indifferent. He just throws them into the prison. He has no time for the gospel, no time for the preachers. Chain them up, and he moves back to his office in the prison. You know, maybe there's people in this gospel meeting, and you're indifferent. You you don't have a thought about... You never thought when you walked into the doors tonight, I'm going to be saved tonight. That never crossed your mind. You thought, well... My parents want me to come or I've been invited and it would be good to come and I would I would like to listen to this message maybe and just see what they have to say. But never did it say, my life is going to change tonight. I want to encourage you. This man didn't think that either. As he, as he held those uh, preachers and put them into the prison, he never had one thought that his life would totally change that night, but it did. And it can tonight for you. God can change your life here tonight. He did not want to be saved. It says that after he had imprisoned them, later, it says that the preachers, they're praying and singing praises unto God. That's quite something. They've been beaten. They've been imprisoned. The little chains or, or the bands around their feet is made extra tight. They're not going anywhere. And they begin to sing. That's quite something. Singing in the prison and praying. Well, This jailer, you know what it says he did? It says he fell asleep. Now, you never know a person working night shift who falls asleep on the job. You never meet one of those. What happened to this man? There he is, working nights. And at midnight, he's fast asleep, just totally careless. Doesn't really care about the gospel. They're in prison. I have a job. Fast asleep. You know, I I do think it's a picture in the Bible of people in their sins who have never been woken up to the fact that I have sinned against God. And we were just thinking about this a little bit this evening. So many people get hung up on on the fact of, what do I think about my sins? Are they that bad? What's my opinion? What's my verdict? And because they get hung up on that, they they just don't see how their sins could ever be that bad to spend an eternity without God. But have you ever asked, what does God think about your sins? What does he think? But people, they just set it aside and they're sleeping. You know, uh, I remember hearing the story of a man who had painted a very beautiful painting. And... uh, it got a lot of rave reviews. It was actually hung up in a museum many years ago. Maybe you've heard the story. And he painted a mother. And the mother was holding a little baby. And the baby was very peaceful. And it looked like the baby was just about asleep. And it was very beautiful. You know how those painters can really capture almost the emotions and they can and and even even you can almost see her like rocking the baby even though it's just a still painting. Well, critics were invited to the gallery to review this painting. And they came in, and they, they gave this painter rave reviews. Maybe a couple things he could have improved on. Maybe a, a brush stroke was off here. But all in all, that was five stars, except for one review. One reviewer said, I'm just, I'm just uncomfortable looking at this painting. There, there's something off about it so they began talking the the, the critics explain to him, what what's wrong with it and finally he said this it just seems like there's this evil intent in the eye of that mother she is not rocking that baby lovingly it's almost like a seductive evil intent and the artist was there and he was ecstatic and he ran over to the painting and uncovered the title you know what the title was the whole world Lies in the arms of the wicked one. And what do you try to paint for those people? Was the world, the sinful world, being rocked to sleep by the devil himself, rocking them to sleep? If you don't want to be saved tonight, you have a great friend. You have the devil himself, and he doesn't want you to be saved either. He would be ecstatic, he would rejoice if you were to perish in your sins. He would love that. And he's doing everything to rock people to sleep. People who want entertainment, he'll give them that. People who want uh, the, the, the vices of this world, he'll give them that. People who want popularity and friends and influence, he'll give them that. And he does everything to rock people to sleep. The whole world lies in the arms of the wicked one. And this Philippian jailer, he's just fast asleep. Well, it says, suddenly... There was a great earthquake. You see, God, God had his eye on this one man. And God sent an earthquake into the life of this one man to wake him up. And as the earthquake comes into the prison, the Bible says that the many uh, chains or the, whatever they had on, the bands were loosed from the prisoners. They were free. And then it says this, the jailer waking up out of his sleep. He woke up. I've listened to many people tell how they were saved. Inevitably. They heard the gospel many times, or maybe just one time, but inevitably they come to this moment where they woke up. That this is real, and this is now, and this is an emergency situation. You see, the word saved, this great question he asks at the end, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be rescued? You only need to be rescued when it's an emergency situation. So nobody drifts into salvation. Nobody goes through salvation through this osmosis where they sleep on their Bible at night and then they wake up saved. It is an emergency situation. It is Peter sinking in the lake. Lord, save me. Emergency. And here's this jailer. And he wakes up out of his sleep and it's an emergency situation. I need to be saved. And you know what he does? He draws out his sword because he looks up and the, the prison doors are open. And the people are free. The, the prisoners that he's in charge of, they're free to just leave. And, you know, back in those days, if you were not responsible in the job you were given, you weren't given a pink slip. You know, no, Rome didn't waste too much paper. They had a very simple way of firing people. It's uh, Just actually a very quick strike of their hand and people were fired. Never hired again. (laughs) And that jailer understood this. I better just take care of it myself. And so he takes out his sword, and he's just about to kill himself. He's just about to take his own life. When all of a sudden there's a voice. A voice from this preacher, Paul. And he says this. He says with a loud voice. He never knew preachers could raise their voice. But he says with a very loud voice. Do yourself no harm. We're here! We're here! Don't hurt yourself. We're right here! And the jailer, he stops, and he begins to tremble. And I'm not sure what motivated him to ask this question. Many people have thought about it. Some people have said it's the songs that they were singing, and that's what motivated to him. Other people have said, well, he had heard somewhere in Philippi the message of Paul and Silas. I just wonder if he thought to himself, here are two prisoners and the door is open. They can leave. They can have their life. They they don't have to be in prison anymore. And they're still here. What is it about the gospel that when the chains are off, the prisoners, the preachers stay in the jail and he knows that they're saved. And he says, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to get what you have? Despite all the little things I've done, despite the good job I have, I don't have what you have. And he comes in trembling. What do I have to do to be saved? What a great question. What must I do to be saved? He is a he's woken up. Woken up to this. I need to be saved or I will perish. I wonder, have you ever realized this? That if you are not saved. If you are not rescued. You'll perish. You'll perish forever. You'll, you'll, You'll be in hell forever if you're not rescued and this man he understood that i want you to look at look at how he asked the question what must i do to be saved it was no longer a good idea it was no longer just a little question can you help me a little bit i'm struggling what must I do to be saved? What must I do? I must be saved. What do I have to do? He's face to face with death. What must I do to be saved? Saved from what? Saved from his sin. Imagine. Maybe you can't enter into this. But you know, there's, there's people who come right to the point of taking their own life. and I meet many of them on a day-to-day basis. And it is a very sobering thing when you come to the point where you actually tried to take your life and it didn't work. And you're face-to-face with a reality, with a realm of thinking that nobody else has. People can sometimes sympathize with it if they had a, a major health scare and they almost lost their life. This idea that I'm going out into eternity, somebody was telling me that's not right to say. <laughs> I'm beginning another realm of think. I'm beginning to enter another realm where my soul will be forever with god or without him and this man understands i must be saved he also understands this the answer is not in myself and that's why he asked the preachers sirs sirs what must i do to be saved he's not looking within he's not trying to figure it out on his own he's desperate He's woken up, sirs. What must I do to be saved? You know, it's a great thing. It's a great thing when a person is woken up. I remember every time I I think about this passage, I think of a testimony I heard of a man named Roby. He, He lived far, far away from here, but he tries to tell his story um, like the Philippian jailer, and he says that he was pretty careless, he was a good living man, his wife was a was a believer, she became saved when they after they were married and they and he had one son, and he had no time for the gospel i mean it was good, good religion for it seemed to he said himself it seemed to help his wife, she was a better wife, but not much time for it himself. And he says that uh, one day his, his wife would take their son to <sighs> children's meetings, and one day his son comes home, and he just says this. He has his Bible in his hand, and he just runs up to his dad. And he says, Dad, I'm saved. Dad, I'm saved. Jesus died for me. Just a little boy, nine years old. I'm saved. Jesus died for me. And all he knew was that he was saved, but he also knew that Jesus was coming back, the rapture. And he said, Dad, you need to get this too. Because if Jesus comes back, we all, all of us, you, mom, me, we all got to be in heaven with Jesus together. You need to get this too. Dad, I'm saved. And dad just said, well, son, if you got what your mom had, you got the good stuff, but thanks anyway. Well, the little boy, he had a birthday party coming up. He was turning nine, or he was nine. He was turning 10. And dad asked, now, what do you want for your birthday? And the little boy said, I just want you to come to a gospel meeting, dad. That's all I want. Ten-year-old boy. Dad, would you come to a gospel meeting, just with Mom and I? Dad, he had no time for the gospel, so what he did instead was he bought the little boy a four-wheeler. Would you like a four-wheeler? Any boy would love a four-wheeler. You know what the boy did? He went out on his four-wheeler, and he just cried. He just cried. Dad's not saved. And Roby says, I just went on like that. My wife was miserable. My son was... Miserable. He says, but then the earthquake came. The earthquake. He lived in a part of Canada, on the eastern side of Canada. Not too many earthquakes up there. And so people ask, what what, what earthquake? He says, I went out back one day. We had a pond. And my 10-year-old boy was floating face down in the pond. 10 years old face down in the pond. He said, I rushed out there to grab him. And as I brought him in, I knew he was gone. And he said, I wasn't saved, but I actually bowed my head and I said, thank God my boy's in heaven. Thank God my boy's in heaven. And this is what he says. I woke up. I woke up. And a week later, he was saved. But actually, when he tells his story, he says, even to this day, I regret... You know, if I would have just been saved sooner, maybe my boy and I could have enjoyed times together. My friend, what is it going to take to wake you up tonight? What's it going to take? Is it going to take the loss of a loved one? God speaks once and yea, twice. And I tell you, there are stories of how God has spoken and how God has shaken. And if you would allow the word of God to shake you tonight, and you were to wake up in this gospel meeting, and you were to turn to the only Savior, what must I do to be saved? And you were to find on the cross of Calvary how he suffered for sin, how God has punished him for sin, how God is satisfied with him for sin, and you were to rest on him. Or will it take some deadly disease? Will it take some hand that reaches into your family? What will it take to wake you up? The jailer, he woke up and he comes in trembling. And Paul's answer is very simple. You know, people have struggled. The jailer says this, believe, or or the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And uh, Johnny was telling us a bit ago when it comes to repentance and faith, it's not so much something that we do. And so people say, well, what must I do to be saved? And then Paul gives them something that he's supposed to do. No, 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 no. The jailer is, what must I do? And Paul just says, no, listen. It's already been done. Just believe. Now notice what he says. He doesn't say believe about the Lord Jesus. He doesn't say take Jesus in the Bible and make a list. Right? Immutable. <laughs> and you go all the way through and you make your list. You circle it and you say, I'm ready for heaven. No, no, no. It doesn't say believe about him. He says believe on Lord Jesus. He says, if you want to be saved, what you need to do with your sin and your soul, Jailer, you know what you need to do? You need to rest yourself on Christ. You need to have your confidence on him. Believe on. And here's a man, and you know what it says he did? It says he listened to Paul and Silas speak. And it says that he was saved and he was baptized. And how the story ends is this. He takes the prisoners out into his own home and he entertains them, the preachers. And he washes the very stripes that maybe he was responsible for. And this is what it says. And he rejoiced. in all his house. You Remember last night? You remember that man from Ethiopia, how his story ended? You say, you told us that the preacher was sent. And then you told us that the treasure was spent. And then you told us that the scripture made a dent. And then you told us that he rejoicing went. You know what it says about this man? He rejoiced. Anybody who's saved, they would end rejoicing. Maybe you've come into this meeting just before I sit down. Maybe you've come into this meeting sleeping in your sins. No care. Doesn't matter to me. In this very meeting, and may God grant to be so, you could be awakened to your need, pointed to the Savior, depending on the Savior, and you could leave one meeting, one meeting rejoicing, and we'd rejoice with you.